everybody. Joel Junker here with another episode of the Karen Brooks Podcast. Thank you for taking time to tune in. we got a great episode here with Chris French, who's a Karen Brooks alumnus from 2018. Chris is a 2013 uh, West Point graduate with an engineering management degree, degree and a former Army engineer officer. He made the transition to ExxonMobil in an in information technology position. In this podcast, Chris tells a story about how he first uh, worked with the Service Academy Career Conference process to start his career search and then ended up partnering with Cameron Brooks. And he describes the difference between the Cameron Brooks career search process versus the job fair type of experience that he had uh, prior to partnering with us. It's a great, uh, great episode if you want to know the difference between Cameron Brooks and other uh, transition options. Additionally, he talks about what he does in information technology at ExxonMobil. Uh, I hope you enjoy. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at Cameron-Brooks.com. Uh, you can access through the website there. Of course, to learn more, you can always order our book, PCS to Corporate America. Thanks for listening. Chris, welcome to the Cameron Brooks Podcast. Hey, Joel. Happy to be here. Great to talk with you again. And I know we've chatted a few times since you made the transition last June. Um, I got, I'd like to start off with just some you know, basic warm-up questions to get the audience to listen, to know you or get to know you a little bit about you. Um, <laughs> tell tell the audience about you, maybe where you work and what you do. So currently right now, I'm a project manager at ExxonMobil in Houston, Texas. Um, they have a campus in North Houston called the Woodlands uh, area and uh, built a couple years ago. Um, so it's brand new. It's incredible facilities all around. Um, rivals definitely the Googles, Apples and Amazons of the world out on the West Coast. But um, right now I work for the Emmet ExxonMobil IT department as a project manager, as I stated before. And what that means is that ExxonMobil does not outsource their IT. We do it in-house. So for other parts of the business in terms of upstream oil, refinement, HR, legal, any other portion of the company that needs an IT solution, we will provide that in-house. So as a project manager, I will take one of the problem sets that they have, and I will identify a solution with a small team and implement that solution. I'm curious, uh, you know, since you're in an IT project management position, we'll dive a little bit more into your day-to-day, but uh, what is your academic background that, or military background that helped you get into an IT position with uh, ExxonMobil? So uh, for college, I actually was a engineering management major, which is a branch of systems engineering. Um, now, for those who don't know what systems engineering is, it's, it has nothing to do with IT. Um, it's actually about optimizing and making more efficient specific systems in the world. So that can be anything from the way a car is built at a manufacturing plant to the way in which an organization is run. So you could use it at a consulting firm. Um, and then in the military, I did branch engineers, but all of my experience was in the combat engineer field. So platoon leader, executive officer, a little bit of time as a company commander and on staff for a brigade combat team doing engineer individual and collective tasks, such as demolition, route clearance, breaching, et cetera. Uh, it, I think it also should tell the listeners that you're a West Point, not just any college, but you went to West Point, um, right? <laughs> Indeed. Did yeah. they even, con- so did they even consider that a college or, yeah. Uh, I mean, I know I obviously you get a, re- but th- nobody really says college when they talk about an academy. 
Absolutely not. They don't. But um, some of us, I think, uh, try and keep it a little bit more close to the chest. But yes, uh, the Military Academy at West Point um, is where I attended, graduated in 2013. Um, great school definitely gave me some life lessons and preparation, not just for the military, but things that I've definitely been able to implement here in the civilian world and in corporate America um, really prepared me. So for any other individuals um, who went to an academy, um, myself and three others were hired onto Exxon at the same time from the Cameron Brooks Conference, and one was from Air Force and one was from the Naval Academy. And we've all been able to discuss about how those experiences have shaped us and helped us for um, these moments here. And it's definitely made the transition much easier, much more smooth. So, you know, I think for me, you said I'm in an IT project management position. I was an engineering management major and a combat engineer in the Army. Where's your connection to being an IT project management? So I think the things that I'm able to rely on heavily um, would be just the organizational and leadership skills. Um, as an engineer in college, you know, you learn a lot of, I would say, technical and functional skills. Um, you learn a lot about the specifics of engineering, whether it's mechanical or civil or electrical, um, maybe even IT, if you took that at another school, they don't offer that at West Point, but if you did, you know, information technology systems somewhere else, uh, what you can use and the commonality that you'll find through college, academies, and then your military career is going to be leading people. Uh, people will never change in terms of being able to connect, relate to them, listen to them and take their expertise under your guidance and purview and then make decisions from that. Um, you have to do that in the military because you'll be a new officer in charge of individuals. You won't be the most experienced or the subject matter expert at whatever it is that you're doing for your skill set. Um, so you'll have to listen to those junior, like those other maybe senior officers who have experience, the non-commissioned officers, the enlisted folks, you know, from, you know, the army, if not sailors or whatever, what have you. But um, you'll have to listen to the people who have been there and you'll have to be able to ask those hard questions that may seem a little concerning, a little embarrassing because you don't know what you're talking about, just like you might not if you don't have an IT background here at Exxon. And you have to rely on those people to help you, like have to help you with the, the team aspect. And then from there, you can make your decisions and move on to whatever is best for the team and for the problem set that you're working on. Um, so, and, you know, one of the things that um, with your background, and I think that sometimes people are curious about is got an engineering degree, you're an engineering management degree, you're doing IT. Um, what kinds of engineering and technical things did you consider during your transition coming through the Karen Brooks program? So I definitely had a consideration of working for, I mean, it wasn't something that you could actually pinpoint while working with the Cameron Brooks program, but working with an actual engineering firm or uh, trying to go back and maybe get my professional's engineering license, uh, which a lot of people will take that have those engineering degrees, especially out of the academy, because they'll outline, you know, the amount of time you need to take from your fundamental engineering, from your fee to your P, that professional engineering license. And okay. That was one consideration. Um, but it would have been a route that didn't necessarily interest me because it pigeonholes you into doing, you know, for people who really love engineering and would like to do that, that's great. Um, wasn't for me per se, um, but definitely that in addition to some of the um, sales representative positions that I had opportunities to do uh, that were actual interviews at the conferences did deal with actual 
um, engineering equipment. So I think some of my experiences with engineering equipment, not only in the military, but learning about it in school, that would have been a strong point for me in terms of being, you know, a subject matter expert for a sales position that would actually do that. So. And what what were some of the reasons that you accepted your position with uh, ExxonMobil and the IT organization? So honestly, Joel, the, the difference maker was the the interviews. Um, I mean, you kind of you'll get all your sheets at the conference and you'll read over each of the roles, and some will stick out as interesting or intriguing, or the salary will look nice or the location looks great. Um, but it all happens for you in the interview, you know. And I've talked with a lot of friends and peers about this and. You'll sit down for your first interview and it's kind of a whirlwind. You'll have, you know, five to eight a day. And some of those individuals will just stick out, whether it's because they describe the culture of the organization or whether it's because that individual alone that you sit across from who does interview and you does interview you makes an impact. And Exxon did that on the first and the second interview. Um, and it was just coming in, listening to them, seeing the way in which they ran their shop and the organization of the company overall. Um, they really won me over. You know, I never thought oil and gas, and I certainly never thought IT for oil and gas. Um, but it soon became a reality to me that culture was very, very important in my decision-making process. Um, I would love to find a role that suited me well, and I thought project management would be good with that because, you know, you guys really described and pressed on the uh, leadership experience, and I asked that in, their, in the interviews. I was like, you know, I do not have an IT background. You know, what does that look like for certain individuals within these roles? Like how many of the people filling those roles do have IT backgrounds? Like who's more successful? Is it the IT individuals or is it the people who maybe come from a different, you know, walk of life per se? Um, and they were just very honest and candid with their feedback. You know, lots of people with IT backgrounds are fulfilling the IT project manager position, but the ones who don't are just as successful, if not more so. You know, it's it is not an indicator or barometer for how successful you will be in that position. And that gave me a lot of comfort. And then coming out to the actual campus to visit and do that second interview, it just won me over. It was a great place to visit. And since then, it's been an incredible opportunity and place to be. So, What do you think is, you may have referenced this when you talked about what skills you use as a military officer in this role, even though you don't have an ID background. What are the things that make someone or you or someone successful in this role? I think it's a lot of patience and experience. Um, I think from the ages of, you know, 22, 23, when you come out of college or become that junior military officer and you progress for the next five to eight years, you know, whenever these, whoever's transitioning and might be listening to this, you know, um, you'll learn so much more than your counterparts. And you kind of hear this while you're in the military about how your experiences are much more in depth and much more mature than the other people that maybe you knew in high school and went through college and are coming out of college and just initially starting at a company like Exxon. And that really shines through when you get to the company is that sort of maturation and that ability to take into account what other people are saying and make very, very sound decisions. While it may not be you as the subject matter expert, once again, you're able to really just in any type of project atmosphere or walk of life, you can listen to the people who have the knowledge and the experience to give to you. And then you can understand how to organize and lead those teams. Um, and that was, I mean, that's been the best part of this job for me is, you know, 
leading without influence is kind of what they call it. Like, I do not have anyone who directly reports to me, but I have individuals who are assigned to the project. So it's making sure to keep people on task and on time, but also just kind of getting that team building team unity together to accomplish a similar goal that, you know, no one really, you don't have rank on your chest. You can't be bossing people around anymore. Once you're in the corporate world, you really have to work on those interpersonal skills and develop those relationships. Um, and you usually do that in the military too. So all of that military experience really paid off in terms of getting that, you know, your superior to buy into an idea when maybe it wasn't the best idea, or maybe it wasn't the most popular idea, but it became the best idea later on. Um, getting that hierarchy to really kind of bend its boundaries a little to get you to be in a position to be successful and your team. Describe the challenge, or maybe not the challenge, either the ease or the challenge that you had from going from a very rank structure to being in this leading and organizing teams without authority. So if you go to a good organization or a good company, because I've heard a few experiences that haven't been the best, you will luckily be in a position where the the other individuals that you work with are very competent and very skilled at what they do. Um, so what you no longer have to do is have that minute accountability of individuals like you used to in the military. You no longer have to be checking in every five minutes on your soldiers to make sure that they're doing the right thing. You're able to actually empower and give task and purpose to the people who work with you, sometimes maybe even for you. And there's an expectation that they will complete it and it's gonna happen 99% of the time. Um, and the communication will be there and the team work will be there, which is really great. Um, so the transition for me hasn't been too difficult. Uh, the few friction points have been the fact that you have to understand and learn that personalities play a large part in decisions that are made within corporate America. It no longer becomes, well, this person is in charge of this individual. So as long as I get that person to say yes, the other person will fall in line and everything falls into place. It's, it's not a set hierarchy anymore like you used to have in the military where it's like, let me just make sure that two leaders up that I'm meeting that person's intent and we're okay. You know, it's like two leaders up, like you may have a battalion commander who may feel a certain way. Well, if there's a sister battalion commander who wants to weigh in, that's perfectly fine. And you wouldn't really have that so much in the military as you do here in corporate America. You have a lot of people and it's a lot about personalities and balancing those individual personalities. Another question really on the would you on this role. Can you talk a little bit about uh, a current project, the current projects you're working on? I know you can't give like trade secrets, but can you give <laughs> us and the listeners insight of something that you're doing that would um, I guess we would find interesting? Yeah, so I guess a cool one. I just recently got it um the other day. So every large Fortune 100, 500 company has, you know, a board of directors or whatever. And these board of director, directors will meet routinely on a monthly, quarterly basis. You know, they review um, the financials, decisions that are being made, where the company is headed, um, just a general status and decision-making meeting. Um, and when they do this, they'll have, nowadays they have an iPad. It used to be a folder with a bunch of documentation um, that they would look through and they'd review together. Well, now it's on an iPad and there are different IT solutions 
to review these documents. Um, and the main thing that is concerning to these individuals at these board levels is the security of their data and their information. So like Joel, you were just talking about trade secrets. Well, there's a lot that are on these iPads, you know, and, and they are hooked up to the you know, internet. So how do you protect that information you know, how do you make sure that you maintain its security and integrity and allow people to share the data appropriately with each other? So recently, Exxon's, um, the company that we were using to protect that data had a security breach. So we're moving to a different um, vendor now. And what will happen is uh, once we have assessed which vendor we want to pick and we understand the execution phase, um, as a person who just got here six months ago, and this is sort of by happenstance, this isn't because Chris French has been just so awesome at Exxon, but I will get to present to the CEO of Exxon, Darren Woods, what our decision is and what this project looks like in terms of that sort of rollout of the package and when he can expect to see a new interface on his iPad when he shows up to a meeting, um, which is really cool, um, a really unique opportunity and something that you know individuals here who have been here about 10 years haven't gotten to do, um, but luckily I was just right place, right time, and you know, I was available, so I was allowed to do the project, which is really nice. And it's just something that you don't really think about. Like you don't think about the small things that have to be done in order for some of these CEOs, CFOs to be successful as much as like, well, what's on the iPad and is it actually protected? So that's a whole new world that's kind of opened up to me. It's called e-discovery, um, matter management. It's all about, you know, the the legal ramifications if you don't protect yourself in terms of data privacy. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's uh, not many of our alum that are briefing, presenting to the CEO of one of the top Fortune 500 companies or one of the top two Fortune 500 companies uh, yeah. in their first year. Uh, that's pretty neat, Chris. It's very exciting, yes. Very thankful. Um, so it's interesting that you bring that up on a side note. Uh, I'm on the uh, board of trustees for our regional health system here in the Hill Country of Fredericksburg. And I just had a meeting last week uh, where I went and they issued me an iPad. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and all of our board documentation and all the subcommittee documentation, uh, because I serve on uh, two subcommittees, one is on the financial audit and then executive compensation subcommittees, all that will now go to the iPad and download there. I was expecting like, hey, here's the link, here's how I use it, but they gave us iPads that are specifically used for um, this app. For And the app is specific for uh, board of directors, board of trustees, uh, and board meetings and all the calendars and everything and how it works. And, and the big piece of it is is on Securing all the information is securing on all the information, um, and I was also really happy to get that because I went, I came into the office like a half hour early um, the other week just so I could shred um, all my like past three or four board meetings because <laughs> I can't give yeah. that I can't give that to anybody to shred and I can't exactly. put it in the box for the shredding company to come up. I only <laughs> trust myself with all that information to go shred. So now I'm so happy to get this iPad to be able to do that. But it's so funny when you mentioned that. I was like, yeah, I just went through that uh, training on this new app for our our uh, our uh, survey or our board meeting notes as well. Very interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely exactly what I'm working on right now. So very cool. Um, I would like you know, 
one of the other areas I'd like to to probe into a little bit with you is that you had some experience with um, you don't have to use names or anything like that, uh, but you had some experience looking at other avenues for making a transition prior to really getting channeled into the Cameron Brooks program and coming to a career conference. Um, and we talked about this, so I want to just get this out. I wanted to hear, have the listeners hear it from you because there are a lot of other organizations, groups that advertise and and have good company names and things like that. But I think that I know and I think um, if you can get into the Cameron Brooks actual career conference, it's a very different experience. Um, the best way I can ask the question is, can you talk a little bit about comparing your two experiences, if you will? Absolutely. Um, so I was able to go to the SAC in Washington, D.C., um, I think six months before doing the Cameron Brooks Conference, the uh, Service Academy Career Conference, what it is. So um, one one good thing about Cameron Brooks is it's just junior military officers. You know, you don't have to be from a Service Academy, which is nice. I think it opens up to a much larger breadth of applicants and candidates who are more well-rounded um it's not specific but um the thing that i did not like about the sack primarily is that you'll come in for two days they will have all these awesome named companies fortune 100 fortune 500 companies that you know look really great on paper and uh look like they'd be fun to work at and they'll have a few of them who get to brief you uh in the mornings and then the afternoon you'll go and you'll just be in a huge bullpen with a bunch of tables and setups and it's kind of like you got to walk up to them you introduce yourself it's, it's like a you know the old school job fairs that you may like hear maybe you've been to or like you've heard friends or family talk about it but you just basically within 30 seconds try and make an impression you hand them a resume there's no real commitment it's not like hey i'm handing you the resume because you think i'm a good applicant so i'm handing you the resume because I want the free pen that you have available or the, the t-shirt that's available or a water bottle or whatever. And then maybe you'll hear back from us is kind of their response. Um, so it's sort of, you're leaving it up to almost like an, it's like an online application, but you're in person. So you've decided to go to a location, you've put yourself out there, you've invested your time and money for something you could have just done by going on to Google, in my opinion. Um, I do not think that there is, it's a very good setup due to the fact that one, it seems very impersonal. And then two, there's no real criteria sorting. They don't have like, hey, these are the three jobs that we have at Amazon. Which do you think you would be good for? Let's slot you for that. It's more like, hey, Amazon is cool. Come work for us, give us your resume. And if we have somewhere for you, then like we'll email you back or we may lose your resume in the pile because there's 500 other people here. So the thing that I really took away from that and appreciate moving on to the Cameron Brooks approach was just the attention to detail. And that is that Cameron Brooks, not only in their training process, will prepare you to actually have those in-person interactions, but they will also do that filtering for you and build that relationship before you're even in the room. You know, these companies that are coming to the Cameron Brooks conference, they have a relationship with Cameron Brooks and they understand the quality of individual that's coming to them. They know that all of these candidates are qualified it's more about are you a good fit, which really pays off in the two to five year mark. You know, it's not like I just need a job right now. I need a job that I'm going to be happy with later on. Um, 
and I think Cameron Brooks definitely fulfills that. I'm like, is any structure perfect? Of course not. And I know a lot of candidates hear the horror stories from other people and me being on this podcast seems like I'm drinking from the Kool-Aid. But at the end of the day, you can tell that not only will the experience and the relationships Cameron Brooks has with these other companies is going to pay off for you, but it's also going to pay off for the company. So there's this mutual interest that you have that you build throughout the conference and throughout the first and the second interview. Um, you don't get that at the SAC. Uh, and then I've heard of other headhunting firms that the main difference is they do not have a train-up program the way Cameron Brooks does. I mean, they're continuously flying out to see individual candidates. They're working with them one-on-one -on, -one on their interview skills. They're building their resume, you know, multiple workshops to help build the resume and quantify it appropriately. Um, and they're getting good organizations with good roles in front of you. Um, you can't say that about everybody else. So uh, it was definitely an incredible experience for me. It's been a great experience for peers of mine. Um, and it's currently a good experience for people who I've recommended the program who, so, uh, yeah, I can't say enough about like Cameron Brooks just being that upper echelon tier compared to things like the SAC or other headhunting firms for JMOs. Yeah, I think that you're, um, you're right there, your advocacy for the program, referring several of the people that you worked with or worked for says, says a lot there. What would your, maybe if you, if, let's just take kind of somebody that's upstream six, eight months from now, or I think I talked to you in January of, of, 18 um yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so you came to the june of 18 conference what would your advice to be for somebody that's kind of in your shoes six to eight months before uh, back then six to eight months before they transition so i would say just continue to work on your craft and for any sixers fans out there trust the process you know trust the Cameron books process which is you know you have the reading list you have the you know options available for additional learning take advantage of those you know listening to the podcast is what really helped me it's it's about seeing and hearing people take what could be considered a very structured response to a structured question and manipulating it to being a more free-flowing conversation because that's the big thing when you get in the room is you're you're trying to build a relationship with somebody in 45 minutes and if you think that it's going to be if i answer each question correctly i get the job then you're wrong it's more about like the type of identity and brand that you can create in the room with those people who are interviewing and see if you can connect at the company's culture. So for your six to eight month plan, I would say, you know, sure up everything with your military career, making sure that you and your family are set to transition out. Um, you know, your leave is all squared away and you're excited to take some vacation. But that individual development is huge because you know, there's a wealth of information and you're just kind of like looking around to see like, where should I even start? Um, the reading list will break it down for you in terms of what corporate America looks like. And then from there, you start to learn about career fields, like things that you actually want to do. Start to learn about industries. You know, where are the hotspots? What cities are good for oil and gas, for tech, for sales, for manufacturing, you know? Start to see if you have some interest in certain places and then start to relay that to your Cameron Brooks aligned um partner you know if it's a joel or a pete um you know you just start talking to them about like hey this is the kind of thing that interests me you know do we have some some organizations maybe on the docket coming up for that conference that looks like it could be a good fit um what roles do you see work well with my personality should i start you know 
start learning about those roles, whether it's project management, whether it's sales, whether it's research, you know, uh, those are the things that you can do to prepare six to eight months out that are really going to pay off when you get in the room and when you get with that company that you select. It's great advice. What about that's like a week out from the conference? Being a week out, I think you just, you keep getting the reps in. You know, if you're one of those individuals that's a little nervous when you talk to people or maybe, you know, it's your, it's your first real world interview, so you're a little unsure of how to talk it over you need to start doing these questions with people that you're not familiar with. I know a lot of people will review them, you know, at home with like a spouse or a significant other or somebody like that. You need to pick a random person out of work and be like, Hey, or I mean, we're all junior military officers. So pick a order an enlisted person to come sit down with you in a room for 15 to 20 minutes and just say, Hey, you're going to ask me this question. I'm going to figure out how to respond to you and make you understand like what I'm trying to convey, because it's really easy to tell a significant other about your experiences in Afghanistan or wherever you might have been in a certain job because they went through those experiences with you. But if you can take a person who doesn't know you from Adam and you can talk to them about the things that you are going to later on want to convey to companies, I think that's a great, you know, it's a great exercise to do. So the person you talk to is good. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing is just kind of building your understanding of your resume so you don't have to read off of it like it's a, you know, word for word verbatim. Just understand your background, understand the generic questions that are going to come your way, and just start getting excited because it's going to be a great time. I, I had a blast at the conference. Um, I think you need to, you know, check your nerves at the door and just enjoy the ride, you know, for what it is because it's a very, very fun experience. Don't get overwhelmed by it. That's great. All such good stuff, Chris. You know, the anything else that you wanted to I know you did a lot of preparation for today. Is there anything else that you prepared ahead of time that you want to leave the listeners with? Um I think that's about it. That whole uh the the advice to them piece and just uh, you know, not closing any doors. So like I talked about, I never in a million years thought I would be working on a computer, you know, I, I love being out with teams. I love doing things with my hands. Manual labor is great. Uh, I really love the army due to that aspect, just like being with the guys and doing uh, certain tasks and accomplishing them together. So I never thought IT. I never thought oil and gas. Um, but, you know, I came for the second interview and I saw what ExxonMobil was all about. And it was just that gut feeling. You just know it's where you're meant to be. And I think that a lot of candidates can speak to that experience and if they can't sometimes they can find a little bit of unhappiness in the first job that they'll select or the first role that they might be in um but i would say trust your gut and definitely trust the process and you know do not close any doors off give people the opportunity to really you know sell their culture to you because i think that's a big thing for military individuals is the place and the people that you're going to work with more than you know the salary or the, the biggest benefits package or something like that. You're kind of, you're looking at the type of people you're going to surround yourself with for hopefully the next 15, 20, 25 years, if you're going to make it a career. So. That's great advice, Chris. Really, thank you for being a, ge a guest on the Cameron Brooks podcast and good luck with that presentation to the CEO. Thanks. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Thank you, Joel.